Hey, Delta. Hey, Kelsey. Okay, so a lot of our rivalries are between, you know, they're small about little things, but this rivalry is huge. It's about building the biggest, tallest Mm. building in New York and in the world. Okay. It's got everything you could want in a story. It's got a tiny dog. It's got secret spires. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it's got hubcap art. Oh, this is going to be all over the place. My first reference to the word spires was the Smashing Pumpkins song. The lyric is, I know the secrets in your spires, the echo that is love. Yeah, and I remember when I first heard that. I'm in Southern California. We have a chain of restaurants called Spires, which are like Mm -hmm. blue plate, blue haired lady special Uh places. The kind of place that sets down iced tea in a carafe. Oh, I love that. Which I love. Yeah, Yeah, don't you love that? Dessert (laughs) is included in the meal, the the daily special. So they're called Spires. And I was like, Mm -hmm. the secret's in your Spires? What does that mean? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, no, it's a little more to that. (laughs) Honestly, that song sounds like it could be written about this story because there is secret Spire situation. Anyway, you'll see. I like that. From Sony Music Entertainment, this is Fierce Rivalries with me, Delta Work. And with me, Kelsey Padgett. Each week I tell Delta the true story behind an infamous or an underrated rivalry with all the dramatic and sometimes petty twists and turns. And then I'll declare the winner, but not every story has a victor. Sometimes it's just about who loses more. Are you a person who finds the Guinness Book of World Records interesting? I do. And I always hope that people have them in their bathrooms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I am one of those people that will find like an interesting fact. And then I have to repeat it to people as if I knew it all along, but I just read it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, did you know who has the longest arms? <laughs> oh, God. I've always known that. <laughs> and people are like, why do you know that? I don't know. I'm just a bank of information. <laughs> I don't know shit. Okay, so let's hop in my time machine and go back to 1928. Ooh! Oh, yeah, 1928, a very exciting time. Let's see, uh, we're after World War I. Jazz is popular, there's flappers. It's an indulgent time, you know, everybody's getting cars and radios and going to see movies. It's it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's also, we're in New York City. So I feel like the excitement of the 20s is really alive in New right. York City. Busy streets full of people in suits with trilby hats, women in beautiful dresses with handbags. In New York City at this time, there is a building boom. Everybody wanted to build this new type of building that had just become possible by American steel manufacturing. So we've got all this huge metal all of a sudden. What can Mm -hmm. we do with it? We can build skyscrapers. Right. And this was a new type of building. At this time, the tallest man-made structure in the world was the Eiffel Tower. But in the U.S., the tallest building was one here in New York City, was the Woolworth Building. It was 792 feet tall and built by this guy named Cass Gilbert. He is not one of our rivals, but he became super famous for having designed the world's tallest skyscraper. And he was like maybe one of our first celebrity architects. And so skyscrapers are, you know, in the zeitgeist. Everybody's excited about them and everybody wants to take things higher and higher. And then comes along two guys who 
want to challenge the Woolworth building and they want to build higher than that. And on top of that, they want to build higher than the Eiffel Tower. Oh. Biggest thing in the whole world. Right. It seems like, duh, to us now you can build a tall building. But at the time, it seemed so crazy to people because also elevators had just recently been invented. Without elevators, you can't have a 60-story building because how would you get up there? <laughs> right. Okay. Who are our two guys? We've got one architect named H. Craig Severance who is a mustachioed and charming man. And he is the face of uh, his architecture firm. He shakes hands, he has lunches, he schmoozes, and he brings in the business. So this is our, our face man, right? They said that he could he could talk his way into or out of anything. There's this great book on this uh, story in this time, and it's called Hire by Neil Bascom. And he has this little story about severance in there. So he had a tiny Pekingese, a little dog that he took with him okay. everywhere. He would go to um, the Plaza Hotel, which is a fancy schmancy place in New York City. And they have a restaurant there mm-hmm. and that they would say, no dogs allowed, sir. And <laughs> they said that he leaned back and he would debate the merits or their, or lack thereof of the policy, all while chewing upon his sandwich and finishing off his plate. And then once he was done eating and still debating, he'd happily leave with his dog. So he was able to talk his way around any situation. This is that. This is somebody who like throws their head back and laugh. Ha ha ha! Yeah, yeah. Right. What do or you uses mean? The I word can't guffaw. Do that. <laughs> I guffaw. So anyway, he was very charming. He was great. He was good at bringing in contracts to you know build buildings. He wasn't as passionate about being an architect. You know, like the art of it and sitting down and making designs. He said, it wouldn't have mattered what I decided to do, doctor or lawyer. I would have done them all just as well. Okay. He was a confident guy who was going to be successful no matter what business he went into. Okay. So that's Severance, our schmoozer. Right. And our other rival is William Van Allen. And that sounds like Van Halen, but it's not. Which I love. (laughs) I I hope he was a rocker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> some guitar <laughs> licks there. Van Allen was not a rocker. <laughs> he was like the opposite of Severance. He was tall and lanky and awkward. And he was, you know, a workaholic and sort of the artistic heart of, of his architecture firm. Um, it's said that when he attended parties, he wouldn't really talk to anybody. He just let his wife talk, to, talk for him. Mm-hmm. And when he did talk, he was like super quiet. And all he would talk about was his work and architecture and, you know, what kind of buildings he was making and, you know, what he was into. And his style was actually pretty unique. Sometimes it was described as flamboyant. He didn't want to copy old styles, which was a lot of architecture at this time was copying the older styles to give your buildings some like gravitas. You know what I mean? You got to mm-hmm. have it look like Roman columns and stuff like that. He wanted to do new stuff in his building. So anyway, so that, that's Van Allen, the artistic, quiet, nerd kind of guy. From the outset of this, I already like 
Van Allen more just because (laughs) I know a ton of people who do drag, which Uh I do, and they just use it as a vehicle to become famous. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I just want to be famous. I don't really care about the drag itself. But then I know other people that are like, I really, really love drag. And it just so happens that because I love it so much and I did it so well, it elevated me to these other places. Mm -hmm. Well, so you're on the side of the guy who's passionate. Already, already. Yeah. Well, so these two guys, I've just described them sort of as separate people, but they actually know each other and they are best friends. Mm. One of them was the best man in the other one's wedding. So they're like tight and they work together. They actually started an architecture firm together in 1911. The firm was Van Allen and Severance Architects. And, you know, they had these two very different styles of of life, right? (laughs) Very two Mm -hmm. different guys. But together, they were the perfect team because Severance would go out, work his contacts, schmooze people and get them contracts. And then Van Allen would make the designs and, you know, really focus in on what what these buildings could look like. So they were like a match made in heaven. They work together for 10 years, 10 years. They have this architecture firm where they're the partners of it. Van Allen and Severance were firm and we get erect. <laughs> right? They, they get it They up. are a firm and they erect buildings. <laughs> That's, That's right. too much. That's going to get cut. No, I love it. That's I terrible. Love it. I love it. Okay. So they were successful because they had this winning, you know, duo. They designed buildings all across New York City and their friendship was flourishing. You know, their family spent time together. There was uh, one time on a weekend in the country that Van Allen, you know, lanky and awkward, he accidentally sat on a lemon pie that Severance's daughter had baked oh and gosh. ruined it. Would you have you sat on a pie before? No. But I've definitely dropped a cake. All right, so these two guys, super different dudes, good friends, but after 10 years of having this architecture firm together, it goes sour. Van Allen's dedication to his art led to him being late on some deadlines for clients. You know, perfectionism, it'll get you every time. Then Severance got upset because they got written up in a magazine that was like, oh, look at this beautiful new building that Van Allen and and Severance Architects has built. But they only really talked about Van Allen in the article, Mm. saying how he was an interesting new designer or architect. And Severance was like, we wouldn't have even had that contract if it hadn't have been for me pulling my strings. There's this sort of fight over who is responsible for the success of the firm. So they break up. They actually sue each other over the money in the business and over the client list. So Van Allen, our little tortured artistic genius, quiet guy, he's out on his own and without Severance's silver tongue, he's having a hard time finding new clients for the next few years. He does these small buildings here and there, but nothing like the grand designs that he had dreamed of. You know, everybody wanted to build a skyscraper and he hadn't built a skyscraper. He wanted to do that. He wanted to be famous like like Cass Gilbert, like the Woolworth. He wanted to do something, you know, big like that. And eventually Eventually, he finally has this big break. He gets hired by somebody with enough ambition and money to build such a magnificent thing. Because that's the thing, too. If you've got a client who, like, you have to have a very rich client to build a skyscraper. Right. Now, I'm sure it's billions of dollars. But at the time, it was millions of dollars uh, to build such a thing. So Van Allen gets really lucky. He gets hired by Walter Chrysler. 
And yes, wow, he's that name. Chrysler. <laughs> big name, big client. My first car ever, ever, ever was a 1986 Chrysler LeBaron soft top. Ooh. And it was my godparents' car. <laughs> they always had, my uncle always had a truck, and then they always had the, quote, fancy car. Yeah. They would drive that to church and on vacation. Oh, right? that's lovely. And so eventually they were like, yeah. we need to get rid of it. And then my mom was like... I'm going to buy you this car. Like, this will be your first car. And I remember I just thought it, and it was Mm -hmm. at the time. I mean, I was driving this in like, you know, 1995, 94. Yeah. Looking back at it, it's so funny when you think it like, what was super elegant at a time? Cars (laughs) generationally have a look, I feel like. They sure do. And then when you go back, you're like, damn, that looks like a hoopty. Like, but you really swore you were doing something in that car. But you were at the you time. Were. I feel like Chrysler LeBaron has probably come full circle and is probably really cool again if you yeah. were driving down the street. In that. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So Chrysler. Chrysler is going to be the man that helps Van Allen build his skyscraper. Walter Chrysler. He's a man described as a torpedo-headed dynamo. Wow. Which There's a description. That is a description. <laughs> okay. Uh, he'd become successful by disrupting the car business. He he was the first guy to come up with the idea that he said, hey, you know what? We're making this whole car very shiny. That means that we're making the underneath parts very shiny. Let's not do that. Oh. <laughs> Why would the underneath parts be shiny? Because that's just the way they did it. Huh. And did they save money by going matte? Yeah. Or not even like finishing them at all. It's just like raw metal down there. I'm sure it has like a protective coating or something. Right, right. But uh, he says, no shiny bottoms on the Chryslers. Come on. Anyway, he... he How? Uh, come on. No come shiny on. <laughs> so uh, Chrysler Motors is doing really good by this point, by, by the time he hires Van, Van Allen. And now he wants to show off that success by becoming part of Manhattan's skyline, by having this huge building that says Chrysler on it or that people see and they know Chrysler. And he was so liked at this time that, in fact, a few months after they announced the plans to build a skyscraper, he was made Time's Man of the Year. With, wow. This is 1929. And there's you know this cover of him like as like a portrait painting on the cover all of torpedo Time headed magazine. all torpedo headed dynamo <laughs> <laughs> all right so so chrysler is the money b- behind van allen and and when van allen showed up and first showed him plans for a skyscraper chrysler was like i love what you're doing i think you're the right guy for this but scrap those plans entirely and build me something that is just for chrysler So he does. He designs this building that has all these nods to cars. It has representations of hubcaps and fenders on like freezes on the side of the building. And instead of like gargoyles on the edge of the building, he made those into Chrysler hood ornaments and radiator caps. I mean, just in in the plan itself, it sounds like super tacky, but whatever. (laughs) Yes, it could be seen as super tacky. Um, It's sort of iconic now. In Mm -hmm. fact, it's kind of hard for, as a new New Yorker, I would have a hard time telling the Chrysler Building and the Empire State Building apart. And and there's this little way to remember it, which is that Chrysler starts with a C. And if you turn your C on the side, it makes a little arch. And the top of the Chrysler Building has all these arches on it. So it's like C for Chrysler. That's a really, really, really long walk to remember the two buildings <laughs> apart. 
You could just visually remember. You could just look at it and go, You could. Oh, oh yeah. That's that one. I'm dying because I'm trying to think of myself like, remember, now that you got to New York, remember what Kelsey said? Remember she said? Make your hand like a C, turn it upside down, and look where you are. There it is. It's the Chrysler building. You're at the Choice Hotel. (laughs) You're here. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, all the silly ways that Severance and Van Allen try to make their buildings just a little taller. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. So, this is Van Allen's plan for this big, shiny building to reflect a shiny car. But then Chrysler says, I want this building to be the tallest one in New York City. And not only that, I want it to be the tallest structure in the world. I want it to be taller than the Eiffel Tower. And and this is him just wanting this for him. I mean, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the Chrysler headquarters, but he financed and owned the building himself. Which I think is interesting. He didn't and this like, is, do it through the company. Right. And this is just people with money. I mean, this is yeah. people with lots of money. They're like, I, how do I spend more money? Uh, yep. Something to make me look even greater. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what Van Allen's up to. Let's go back mm-hmm. to Severance. So Severance, our schmoozy guy, he's been busy as well. He didn't really struggle for business when they broke up because, you know, he was the gregarious face of the, his firm. He would get all these, you know, contracts left and right to to build new buildings. But architectural critics found his work to be really lacking. One architecture critic said this about one of Severance's new buildings. Every proportion seems to be unfortunate. The central tower has the grace of an overgrown grain elevator. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, he said that the building made other architects burst into tears. When someone tells you or describes something you're doing as unfortunate, it is like their (laughs) most controlled way. It's like one step from having to like go off and let you know. They're like, just don't just say unfortunate because I'm about there with you. It's a little bless your heart. Uh Uh-huh. What is it? A grain elevator? Uh Uh-huh. An overcome grain elevator. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So the criticism didn't lose him many clients. And soon enough, he found himself in a situation similar to Van Allen with his own chance to make a grand design. He was approached to build a new skyscraper at the site of the old Manhattan Company Bank. All right. So we've got Van Allen, our artistic soul, designing the Chrysler building and Severance, our schmoozer, designing the Manhattan Company building. We're going to go in to a wormhole, a time warp for one second. So, whoosh, okay. whoosh, 1799, <laughs> a long time before the events of the story. Summer of uh, 1799. <laughs> I remember it just like yesterday, <laughs> driving in my LeBaron. Uh, <laughs> driving in my LeBaron. <laughs> oh my so anyway, 1799, on this piece of land, Aaron Burr starts the Manhattan Company. 
which is a bank. Aaron Burr is the guy who killed Hamilton. Uh-huh. He he and Hamilton were rivals their entire life, and the uh, Aaron Burr ends up killing Hamilton in a duel. And yeah, if you want to know more about this, everybody could go watch Hamilton. Um, so Aaron Burr started this bank on this plot of land because Hamilton was running a bank across the street <laughs> and had sort of a monopoly on banking in New York City. So Aaron Burr was like. Fuck you, Hamilton. I'm going to start a bank right across the street from you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. So anyway, back to 1929. I tell you all of this just to say that Severance is building a skyscraper on land born out of rivalry. This land, I feel like, is cursed (laughs) because Severance soon plays into rivalry as well. Um, Mm Mm-hmm given where he's building this. When he first like started on the designs of what he was going to build here, he had no interest in one-upping Van Allen. He was like, we're just going to build a skyscraper over here. Uh, it's not going to be taller than the Woolworth. It's fine. A few months later, Chrysler announces publicly the plans for the Chrysler building. And he does this because why is he building this building? He's building it for fame. You know, Mm -hmm. he's building it to be like, look how big my building is. Uh, (laughs) So, of course, he's going to, like, announce it in the newspaper. And, of course, Severance reads it. And I feel like the ghost of Aaron Burr embodies him, (laughs) takes over. (laughs) And one month and one day after that first article ran about the Chrysler building, Severance runs an article about how his building is going to be 840 feet, and that's 31 feet higher than the Chrysler building. (laughs) Why is it always a pissing contest when it comes to, like, two men in business? It's always. It's Mm -hmm. always. Well, Chrysler, Van Allen, they're like, what the fuck? Chrysler's like, your former partner is out here one-upping us. What are we going to do about this? And Van Allen's like, I got you. I got you. We will be the tallest building. And from now on, let's keep it very secret what our building's plans are. Mm-hmm. Which seems very not Van Allen to me to be worried about being the biggest building. But I mean, obviously, if this is his client, he's got to do what right. his client wants to do. Exactly. Um, I think it was he's much more anything. Chrysler. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For that. And you he know? wants this check. So. Right. So Chrysler and Van Allen, they decide we got to be secretive from here on out. We're not going to even let the workers know the full details of what's happening in this building. You can't. You can't. No, I can't let any leaks get out. So how is Van Allen going to do this? How is he going to achieve more height on their building in a secretive way? (laughs) You know, because Mm -hmm. it's out there. Like, can you see it? Well, he decides he's going to have a secret spire. This spire is going to be 27 tons of steel, 185 feet tall. That's like five school buses stacked end on end, which wow. is insane. And that it would be added to the very top of the building after all of the construction was complete. 860 feet up in the air, they're going right. to then add this spire to the top. So how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to fabricate the spire off-site in pieces. And then they're going to bring it in and assemble it not on top of the building because they don't want people to know they're doing it. They're going to assemble it inside the elevator shaft in the building. 
Oh, okay, okay. Isn't that crazy? And it's just, it's literally just going to be a like a like a piece, like a cornice of sorts. It's, it's like not a going big to be pokey like, top, like a needle. yeah. So it's not like floors or anything. No. It's just enough to add that length on there to say we are taller. Yes. Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah. But it's it. not like a flagpole or like a radio antenna. It's thick. It's okay. it's needle esque. It's you know? a big fat finial. <laughs> I like that. I've been looking for finials for the for the <laughs> posters of my bed. Actually, hmm. maybe we should have. Uh, we should talk to. Yeah, call up Van Allen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> from the grave. I think so. All right. So as this is happening, because there was you know this back and forth, the press is now hyping this up. They're like, "Oh my God, the race to the sky! Both buildings are being built, you know, at the same time, and who's going to get higher, and what's going right. to happen?" So. Even though Van Allen and Chrysler were being very hush-hush secretive, word gets back to Severance that Van Allen is going to do something. He doesn't know what, but he's going to do something to increase the height. So the spire is still a secret, but Severance is like, okay, what can we do to counteract the something that they're doing mm-hmm. over there? So as the Manhattan building, it's already being constructed. They're at floor 20, and he says, okay, back to the drawing board. We got to add more stories to this thing because we don't want the Chrysler building to show us up. So he does all this math and stuff, and he's like, can the foundation hold more stories? And he figures out that it, he, he can do five more stories on the Manhattan Company building. And that would take him up to 900 feet. And that he thinks that's huge. That's going to beat the Chrysler mm-hmm. building. That's got the Woolworth but beat by a bunch. That's got the, you know, the Eiffel Tower beat by a bunch. There's no way Chrysler's going to get up to 900 feet because the Chrysler's building was at 45 stories. And at that point, he's like, there is no way that my buddy Van Allen can add anything else to that building because they've already gone up so high. Like, you know, if he was to do the math and add things, you can't you just can't do it. He's too far along. Did anybody think of like going deeper and making basement after basement after basement <laughs> to say, well, we're technically taller because we yeah. started lower? I mean, the foundation would be so destroyed, but... <laughs> well, I don't know. You could Because they have to dig deep to make a foundation strong enough yeah, to build true. these skyscrapers in the first place. Right. But there's this term, it's at grade. Okay. And I think that you don't count something as a floor until it's above the grade, okay. which I guess okay. is the ground. So, so we can't change the language. We right. Can't. It's not about that. Okay. Right. But I mean, sure, somebody should try it. If we're going to have like a pissing contest where we're... We're talking about spires, but for two men's ego, pretty much only, right? (laughs) Which this whole thing is so phallic anyway. Like this whole thing, like when you're talking about like, well, we're just going to extend it a little bit more so Mm -hmm. I can show you that I'm just, that's like, like, uh, you know, this is probably going to have to get cut out because it's gross, but it's like, you know, when people are like, do you use a ruler? Yeah, but where do you start with the ruler? How far back do you go? Do you go from the side, from the top? How far back underneath your balls do you go? I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like. And then also, too, this keeps reminding me of when we talk about the, um, what, what were we calling it? The spire. Yes. There's those things at like indoor swap meets or back in the day when you would look at International Mail Catalog or even Fredericks of Hollywood. Mm. There would be those underwear that would be like the Santa Claus underwear or the uh, the giraffe. <laughs> 
And it's like a little finishing on the end where it's yes. like, this is a little bit more to create this fantasy. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's what they were doing. They are they the forefathers look. of the men's section of the Fredericks of Hollywood underwear <laughs> department. So the last thing that had happened in the size race was that Severance decided to add five floors because he's like, Chrysler's not going to be able to do it. We're going to be 900 feet. So Chrysler... And Van Allen, they decide to do a very silly thing, which is that they publicly announce that their building is going to be finished at 850 feet. This is a lie. Mm-hmm. They were lying about it in the press to make Severance and the Manhattan Building Company not try to go higher. Yeah. Stop what you're doing. Yeah. Right. And the whole time, Van Allen's secret spire is still under works inside the building. So some people were curious. They saw like a huge crane next to the Chrysler building, even though the Chrysler building is like close to being done and is supposed to only top out at 850 feet. Right. They're like, why? Why is that big, big, big old Derek, that whole that huge crane there? And uh, so rumors went around that Van Allen was going to add a 60 foot flagpole to eke out just 10 more feet than Severance and the Manhattan Company building. Oh, my God. Come on. (laughs) So you're going to guess what happens. Severance heard this, and he put a flagpole of his own on his building. Mm -hmm. He's like, I've got a a cruise liner I'm going to set up here. What do you got? So the Manhattan Company building is now reaching 925 feet. The whole time, the spire is kept secret. Not even the men who are working on it know what the hell they're working on. They're like, what? This is a weird elevator shaft. It's got a a long thing in it, but okay. (laughs) And they didn't realize what it was until they were finally putting it together. So, So once they put this big, long thing together inside of the building, it had to be lifted up. So remember, it's 27 tons of weight and it's 185 feet long. So they have this huge crane outside that's going to lift this thing out of the elevator shaft, put it on the top of the building, and then they're going to, you know, put it in place there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just did a bunch of hand signals. This is a podcast. Uh, (laughs) They're going to rivet it into place there. (laughs) Which, by the way, where I'm sitting, I just found a loose screw and I'm like, how would how big would the screws have to be? To do this. Yeah. <laughs> so the crane that they had was the biggest crane, only capable of lifting 20 tons. And this spire is 27 tons. Mm-mm. So what are they going to do? So they do like some couple of tricks of like they mm-hmm. they like brace the crane against some things and they're like, this should be fine. It's going to be able to, to lift up the 27 tons. So Van Allen is about to shit his pants because he's he's standing out there. I think he's on street level and he's watching them do the thing. He's like, if this falls, it is going to kill so many people. Like, it's not just going to, like, you know, kill workers. It's going to kill people out on the street. Right. And this is like Manhattan. This is busy. There are people getting a hot dog on the corner, walking to school. Like there's people everywhere. Like just imagine this giant needle, huge, thick thing just plummeting from the Mm -hmm. from 860 feet up. Yeah. And it's not just going to fall and smash there. It's going to shoot off little pieces of this and that everywhere. Exactly. Shrapnel, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Van Allen, he actually gets vertigo as he's looking up at the building and watching this happen. I see it. As he's like white knuckling it, you know, the spire gets lifted into place, right? And Mm -hmm. then the workers have to rivet it in. And so they're all going along and doing all the rivets uh, to keep it up there because at any moment it could still fall, right? Uh Um, And it takes 90 minutes to get the thing all in place. (laughs) That is bone chilling. Yeah. But it got up there, so it did It did lift that extra seven. It did do it. It did wow. do it indeed. Well, and that 90 minutes, too, is like, you know, like if you're trying to surprise people, like at the yeah. last minute, there's like an hour and a half of people going, oh, you are oh. adding something to this. There's no like, there's no like pulling off of like a blanket going, ta-da, like that's a ta-da <laughs> for well, 90 just- minutes. Just you wait, because, you know, there was no ta-da. They didn't invite right. the press. They didn't say, like, we're finishing the building today. Sure. They just put it up there. That means that the Chrysler building was 1,046 feet high. So definitely the highest, way higher than what the Manhattan Company building was working with, which was 927. Guess what happens the very next day? Now, you're going to think that it's Severance doing something silly, making his building taller. But no, no, stock market crashes. Oh, and the Great Depression begins. Shit. The day after the spire is lifted up there. Shit. So that's an unfortunate event. So wait, so what is Severance doing? Like st- stacking pencil erasers on top? He doesn't know how high the Chrysler building has gotten. At this time, the Manhattan Company building, they, you know, they were the last one to say how high their building was going to be. And when it gets finished, they say... We're the world's tallest building at 927 feet. But why did they get the tallest building if the other one was technically taller? Because nobody knows yet. Because Chrysler and Van Allen haven't told anybody yet. Nowadays, somebody would measure it with a drone or something. But back then, you know, they're just like, look at that tall building. It's the tallest Mm -hmm. in the world. It's the tallest in the world. See? (laughs) That's what people would say. See? See? (laughs) Okay. So four days after Severance claims the title and thinks, fuck you, Van Allen, I've won. I have the tallest building in the world. Four days later, a reporter breaks the true story that the Chrysler building is actually taller than the Manhattan Company building. And so the final heights are 1,046 feet for the Chrysler building, 927 feet for the Manhattan Company building. Severance couldn't believe it. He was like, this is craziness. And he decides. Oh, Jesus. To put some donuts (laughs) on top of the building. (laughs) To train a bunch of pigeons. And the pit. No, just kidding. What if? (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't disagree with him doing that. Um, No, he says the spire doesn't count. What counts is how high a person can go up in the building. Okay. How high up you could be and like have a desk oh. and work. Right, right. And I am thinking that because I find it interesting that Severance has all along really not been about the guts of this. Mm-hmm. He's just, in my mind, always been about the flash of it. Like we're going to be the building regardless. But Van Allen has always been about the passion and the quality of the product. And it does seem like mm-hmm. we can't use any of that finial that you have mm-hmm. sitting on top of your building. Nobody can even inhabit that work or anything. So it says to me, the other building, Severance's building, really is more functional all the way through and does technically have more floors. But we never set forth the rules <laughs> of right. engagement. We never <laughs> said, all we said was it had to measure 
Which one was longer? We didn't That's say right. from where and what needed to happen in that right height, did we? And and before you know the numbers were called, Severance was all in favor of his flagpole making his building higher right? than Van Halen's. Right. But now that the numbers have been called, he's like, no, no, it's habitable floors. So it's a funny distinction. It's a funny distinction. So you root for Van Halen because of his character and what he's about, but you also you see the argument for severance suddenly severance seems to be more like what he's counting as integral because but at the same time he only just discovered that and is just jumping on that (laughs) like he's all of a sudden saying well the rules of engagement have changed (laughs) i am so ethical now that i'm losing (laughs) right i'm the one who says you have to have merit you have to have something about the building that you can be there We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll find out who finally gets the title of world's tallest building. Well, let me tell you this. None of this matters. (laughs) Because while these two were busy, you know, having their pissing contests, measuring their dicks. No. Down the street, they were building the Empire State Building. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. And it opened a year and a half after the Chrysler building opened, and it was 1,250 feet. There you go. There you go. And that's way higher than either the 1,046 of the Chrysler or the 927 of the Manhattan. But how much is habitable? That's what we really want to know. You know, it's a good question. (laughs) I looked to see if it has a spire. It has an antenna on top of it, which takes it even higher to 1,454 feet. But they didn't measure all that. No. no. They said we were being (laughs) fair. We were measuring from the top, not from the bottom all the way back. (laughs) That's right. Not from the base. Not from the tank. (laughs) Not from there. (laughs) Well, critics like you, Delta, hated the Chrysler building. They said, this is tacky. They say this Chrysler building, it has no significance as a serious design. It embodies no compelling organic ideas. Right. So Van Halen then ran into the age old artist's problem. He never got a contract. Oh, no. (laughs) So Chrysler doesn't pay him. Dang. That is so, (laughs) come on. That's cold. I know. Isn't that terrible? So the standard rate was 6% of the cost of the building is what you pay your architect at the time. Mm -hmm. And Chrysler refused. So Van Allen had to sue him. And in suing him, he had to admit that he never made a contract, that he just... You know, mm-hmm. did a bunch of work for free. Um, it's and a gentleman's so agreement. A gentleman's <laughs> agreement. That made Van Allen look sort of dumb. There were like these articles written that were like, why architects need business managers? And here's a prime example. This this mm-hmm. silly guy. And on top of that, Chrysler was like everybody's favorite billionaire at the time. I don't think he was a billionaire, but you know what I'm saying? Like he was yeah, yeah. famous. He was on the cover of Time. Everybody loved Chrysler. And here's Van Allen suing him. Right. So he eventually got paid, but the lawsuit coupled with the Great Depression and probably his Great Depression, I don't know, ended his career. Wow. And he ended up teaching sculpture for the rest of his life and being relatively obscure. Wow. So it was, you know, the building that made his career also ended his career. 
Severance, on the other hand, continued to work as an architect, but never really achieved as great heights as he had with the Manhattan Company building. Mm-hmm. And his poor building has had so many tragic things happen to it. In the 1980s, the Manhattan Company building was bought by Ferdinand and Imelda Marcos, okay. who <laughs> were dictators. Um, Imelda Marcos, known for her shoe collection, but also for being a terrible dictator. And then after that, in the 1990s, I wrote here this hyperbole. The worst thing that can happen to a building happened to this building. It was bought by Donald Trump. He currently does not own it, but his name is still on it. People know it as the Trump building. Wow. Who do you think is the winner here? I'm still with Van Halen on this. Yeah. I am. I, I am. I, I feel like even though there was uh, there towards the end a discussion about like the habitable floors mm-hmm. and all of that, I do feel like that was sort of a, a sort of a last minute switch to to sort of save without having to put any extra work in, mm-hmm. just to say, well, let me requalify what the rules are mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I do think. I mean, b- because they both sort of fell into a bit of obscurity, they both mm-hmm. sort of lose, but. Yeah. Um, you know, Van Allen stood up for himself by saying, I know I didn't get a contract. I have to admit I didn't get a contract. I am trying to make good on this by saying, like, the world, at least the city of New York, anyway, have watched this transpire. They yeah. knew that I was doing this work. Yeah. Everyone knows that it was not going to be for free. Yep. Ethical people should be able to step forward and say, hey, I get it. We forgot to do this one step, but we know that let's at least acknowledge this. Let's at least do industry standard. Mm-hmm. Whether whether we had an agreement that it was going to be 12% versus 6 or 4% versus 6, let's just go with the industry standard because neither one of us did the contract and let's just be fair as fair. Let's call it quits. Let's just not work together anymore, but let's not be like mean to each other. Right. Let's not make it a huge public thing. Yeah, but let's just realize that we both kind of should not, we both should have been a little more proactive. Right. You know what it makes me wonder? It makes me wonder if Severance and Van Allen had never broken up, would Severance have gotten a contract? Because that was his side of the business, right? Right. For Van Allen. Like he would have like made sure that Chrysler like signed some shit. I think so. I could see that. You know, but without the breakup, we wouldn't have had this rivaling trying to get taller and taller building situation, right? Right, right. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think this is definitely one of those who loses less right. stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. They're both losers. From something else in Sony Music Entertainment, this is Fierce Rivalries, hosted by me, Delta Work. And me, Kelsey Paget. I also produce the show. Gabriella Santana is our associate producer. Caitlin Pierce is our editor. Our production coordinators are Sasonia Davenport and Tamika Balance Kolosny. Our theme music is by Allison Layton Brown. Josh Gibbs and John Scott are our engineers. Our executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs, Tom Koenig, and Caitlin Pierce. TJ Raphael was our development producer. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.